I, you know, I read a book this summer with a bunch of guys. It's called What's Best Next. It's the second week of just discussing some of the things that we learned from that. And uh, the focus of this book is really about living an ordered life, how to maximize the, uh, your life, uh, live to the glory of God and the good of others. How can you do that to, 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 your, to the, your like fullest extent as an individual? And so that book kind of helps you focus in on that. It thinks about that. It sees all of life as worship to God, as service to others. And so it's one of those books, I think, that really helps you think through it. Now, the deal is, is like last week we said, hey, you live to the glory of God. That's your mission. I live to the glory of God and the good of others. That's our mission. Then we said, hey, some people have unique places within God's kingdom. Uh, that's why that there's people that do all kinds of different ministries and different things in life. It, it's just um, God has placed people in different places. There are teachers, there are doctors, there are um, uh, manufacturers. There's all kinds of people that God's placed in this world who accomplish uh, that. They glorify God and serve other people in all spheres of life. And so that's what we would say now. And, and then they have like, like I said, everybody has maybe and an, an like a thing that they do. You might be able, not be able to put your finger on it. You might say, well, I'm not sure exactly what I could do most of the glory of God and the good of others. And it might be something like you kind of figure that out later. Or you might say it's a multitude of things that I've done uh, throughout my life. But anyway, today, I, after thinking about that, then I kind of wanted to move to the issue of roles. Like what roles do you feel in life? And we're going to talk about those, and hopefully, for some of you, you're going to say, like, I, I, I've already thought through all this. Some of you may say, no, I really haven't. This is going to be really helpful. I hope it will be. But uh, it made me think of this, and I, thinking about roles in relationship to almost like hats, because some people will say, like, what hat do you wear? Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, Anna bought me several hats from the same company, um, and I like, I like all of them. I like the company. I like the way they do stuff. And so she bought me a bunch of hats, and they're different colors and used for different applications. One of them actually is green, so you could say, hey, that could go for hunting. But it has this, like, fish on it that has different colors in it. And my older brother is kind of a crazy about hunting and, and about hiding when you're hunting. And so he, um, we went duck hunting one day, and he was like, take that hat off. It's going to flare the ducks. And he was like throwing a fit on, on me, you know, and all this stuff. And I was just like, okay, crazy, I'll take it off. And um, had to put a little hood on. But here's the thing. In diff, like I said, with the hats, they have different applications. And um, sometimes I'll lose a hat. And that's really why I was wearing the colorful hat for him that morning. But I'll lose them. Sometimes like uh, they'll be like somehow they get in, in the couch like in the little they'll be hidden down in the couch and it's like, oh man, I didn't see that for a long time and I find it and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Or sometimes I'll clean out my garage, I mean, not my garage, my uh, closet, which almost looks like that, and it's got junk everywhere and there's clothes all on the floor and I'll start pulling stuff out and all of a sudden I'll pull out that hat and be like, I've missed my hat, I love my hat. It, it's, it's a, that hat is kind of to me like roles in life. There's times where like you focus on one area and you're like focused and you're doing it well but like somehow you forgot the like another area and so you're like oh my goodness and all of a sudden it'll pop up and oftentimes in like a time of crisis it's going to pop up and you're going to go oh my goodness I haven't put any time in that and it may be like I was thinking like you could focus in on work men do that a lot where they and it's a good thing they focus in on their work and then all of a sudden they look up one day and they say Oh, shoot, I'm a father. 
I forgot about that for a little while. The danger is, is if it happens like five years down the road, you go, oh, really? I'm a father. That that takes something of me. Like that's going to require some that requires focus. And so I remember a story by Jonathan Edwards, who's this great theological mind. Everybody thinks, you know, he's awesome theologically. And I mean, he was, he was a great guy. But I I read a story, his wife, there was some kind of a biography written about her, about how to like be married to a difficult man. But anyway, he was, um, he was like in a study every day, day in and out, day out. And one day he woke up and was like, the crops need to be harvested. And he goes outside and is like, baby, we need to get those crops harvested. She said, we did it four months ago. He was like, so like, you know. So anyway, you just got to think about that. And I think it's very important to see that because we have to kind of constantly ask ourselves, are we, are we doing those things and doing them well? Now, another thing about like our study as we kind of think about it is when we say we want to glorify God and serve other people, you might, for me, I have to ask, how do you do that? Like, how do you glorify God and serve other people in a way that's holistic? I've had to think a lot about that over the last couple of years. I would say, I really, I've been thinking about this week, and the best way for me to say it is there are two mandates kind of given to us. You have the creation mandate and the redemptive kind of mandate. The creation mandate is be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. That's like building a civilization. That's like harvesting the crops. That's like going to get a job. It's like providing for your family. That's like coming up with ways that um, you can like fight off cancer. Those are like a create. It's like the culture that you're living in. You're trying to make it better. You have that aspect. It's like raising good kids, kids that are beneficial to society. That's a creation kind of mandate. Right. And then you have this redemptive mandate where you say, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to serve all I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. A Christian lives in a world, he says, I need to glorify God by serving other people. I do that from a creation kind of standpoint of making the world a better place of like, you're glad that you drive home today and someone built a road. You're glad there's air conditioning here today. We're glad there are lights. Somebody came up with that. Somebody built that. Somebody put this building together. All that stuff. There's that aspect. And then there's this redemptive aspect where we're saying, hey, we are trying to reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a Christian has to hold those two things and understand them and embrace them and see them as, as important. Um, so I think that's very important as we think about the glory of God and the good of others. We have to put those together and see, I think in your roles, when you're thinking about your roles in life, you have to think both of those things in both of those ways. Now, um, We'll just kind of keep moving forward. Now, one of the things that really helped me when thinking about like a clarity of of mission and vision, just kind of moving forward in that is um, there's a guy whose name was William Wilberforce. His mission, he would say he wrote about it was to glorify God and serve other people. His vision was to abolish slave trade. So he had a very specific thing that he was supposed to do. But he, like all of us, had all these different roles that he would have to fulfill And so we understand that we have to do that. And so I just kind of want you to think about that in that way. But all right, so let's move forward and think about our different roles. If I were to break them down, I would break your roles down in this way. You have like your personal and individual roles, your family roles, your church uh, roles, your work, 
and your social. So you basically kind of have a five-part kind of thing when you think about your life. And I think you, we need to think about those. And each one of those sections have different... Really, that's kind of like sections for roles, but each one of those have different things that you're supposed to do. And really, like I said, I think the struggle is, is sometimes the ones that yell the loudest are the ones that we do. So if your kid's like two, he's yelling all the time, I'm running over there. Uh, your marriage might take a back seat, right? Because your kid's like wild and everything's, you know. It's kind of, you, you kind of have to understand. So you're kind of thinking through that and we'll say, okay, let's look at those. And I'm just going to lay a few things out. On an individual or personal level, I think you can break your life down by spiritual life, general learning, physical health, and refreshment. Maybe those are some, you might add more. Now, just think with me just for a moment. You can write this verse down, uh, or this, this, um, uh, this specific verse I think helps you think through two things here. But it says in 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, Train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So I would just say, on an individual level, you are training yourself for the purpose of godliness. That, that is intentional training. Paul said he like buffeted his body. He, he beat his body into submission. But he was, he was on a spiritual level. He was making himself focus on the right things. That takes a lot of intention. And I think we need to understand, like, we are to be disciplined about that. It's not like God's going to love me more because I do it. It's because he has loved me that I want to do that. I want to discipline my life for the purpose of godliness. You, you, and, and you may stop here and go, well, yeah, I think that's important. Do you do it? Do you do it? Are you engaging spiritual things on an individual level throughout the week? Are you? I don't have time to. I really don't. Yes, you do have time to. You don't have time not to. We, we are to do that with great intentional like focus, you might say. There should be a discipline of reading and studying of the Scripture, a discipline of prayer. We should seek those things. Listen, because those things bring us greatest joy. Those things satisfy our hearts. Those things prepare us to serve other people. Those things allow us to think high things of God. They allow us to glorify God more as we engage ourselves individually in personal time with the Lord. Another thing, I think, just general learning. Some people, you think they're so like, like really young, they think, however, oh, I've got it all figured out. You know, like they've already learned everything. Like knowledge is so interesting. Like if you find out, like some people talk about the average, uh, you know, when you read about it, that average human knowledge is doubling every 13 months. And I, IBM said that they, um, uh, that there may come a time where knowledge doubles every 12 hours. You know, it's like you don't have it figured out. There's so much to learn. And God's created us to grow and understand. And really, for our ability to reach out to people, impact people, and to touch people in our lives and to bless people, we're going to have to learn things. I mean, it's part of what... So I would say there is a spiritual life where you're growing. There's partly ways that you grow in learning about all kinds of other aspects that give you really opportunity to invest in people in greater ways. Another thing is your physical health. Uh, this kind of can be a, almost like cultish kind of in this culture. We want to, to be physically healthy almost to the point that we um, neglect other things 
uh, the scripture says that is bodily discipline is of some value. So we do need to it's not we should care for our bodies, but they shouldn't become our idol where caring for our bodies trumps caring for our, our spiritual selves like and, and so we should like always say like is my spiritual life am I growing in that am I as, as disciplined in my spiritual journey as I am in my physical journey it, that's that's a question I think we have to ask because you're saying as an individual I'm trying to grow in these things and I want to do well and but I want to make sure that I focus on the best stuff. So it's very important. I think we see that. Another thing, you know, just kind of making notes of refreshment. I think the scripture certainly sets up this pattern of six days you work, on the seventh day you rest. What is that six days and seventh day rest like? There is something built within just from a creation standpoint. Even if you weren't a Christian, there's like a creation kind of thing where you see a six days on the seventh rest. There is something about that, a need for that, I think you would say. We would say as Christians, there's both a creation kind of thing and a redemptive aspect of that. Where, like, if you look at the Ten Commandments when it was given to the people, one time that the Ten Commandments are given, it's speaking of God creating the world, the other time of Him redeeming the world. And I think that's why on a Sunday we say we come together for worship and, and hopefully at sometimes you're sitting back and reflecting and, and re- resting from your labor to remind you that God created you, He sustains this world, and He redeemed you. Another thing that we're going to move. So we move from individual aspect of roles that you kind of carry you look at that and say okay i've got to work on myself individually there's things that i do another part of our lives is family if you're a husband or wife give attention to those things right and we say the scripture says ephesians 5 22 wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord ephesians 5 25 husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself for her, a marriage requires two people working together. It requires work. As I mentioned earlier, you have kids. You have kids. A lot of times marriage can like drop down to the bottom and you not pick that hat up for a long time. And it's dangerous and it's something we have to be really careful about. Because we don't want to um, neglect that. And so marriage really is, though, even like it points to Christ and his church. It's one of these glorious things that God wants us to build and be strong. It almost has an evangelistic thrust where it's proclaiming the gospel in a very powerful way. I mean, one of the things just from a practical standpoint that Anna and I have tried to do is put the the kids to bed early. We can invest in our time together. Kids go to bed, try to get him uh, Will in bed by eight o'clock and uh, uh, Benjamin not far after that. We have a little bit of time set aside. There's things that will go on little short kind of trips, sometimes an overnight trip, sometimes a day trip, trying to say we're going to intentionally make time for marriage. It's a good thing. It's a God glorifying thing for us to do that. Uh, Parenting is another hat you might wear. The scripture says in Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Children are to be taught to obey their parents. This requires work. It, I mean, right now with William, it requires a lot of work. And I'm not there most of the time. Anna's there 
doing that work over and over and over. She is cultivating a, 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 a like discipline in his life, teaching him. God has given us authority over you to guide you in all your ways. And we are going to do that. Ch- children need to be taught that. Uh, sometimes I get home and I'm still busy with my stuff. And the other night, Anna sent me a text and said, before I, even, she, before I left from the office, she sends me a text says, no cell phone, no iPad, no electronics, nothing. Why was she doing it? I was like, what, would I be guilty of that? Like, you know. But uh, it's one of those things where I have to kind of, like I need to hear that because I'm, she's saying, you need to give intentional time to this family. You need to see your kids. You need to engage them. You need to look them in the eye. You need to talk with them. So it's a role that I have that I need to be aware of. And I need someone to say sometimes, no phone, no iPad, no computer, no this, no that, no answering calls. Stop. Focus. You have extended family. You might be a son or a daughter, a granddaughter, a niece, a nephew. You think about that. Scripture says, honor your father and your mother. When it's saying honor your father and your mother, I think at different stages of life that looks different. When we're teaching William to honor us now, there's a certain level of he, he's he's honoring us in ways you might say um, uh, by listening and obeying. As a parent, as you get older and your parents, you're out of their household, they're not calling you and telling you what to do every day. That would be weird if they are. That's weird. But I'm just saying, like when it says, like, you shall leave your father and mother and shall cling to your wife and become one flesh. You've established a new family unit. Mom and dad, get out of that, you know, which some don't do that very well. They like to control. But I think it's important that we say, then it might shift to a point where you say, I begin to be the caregiver for the parent. Some of you, your parents are aging and you're caring for them and watching over them and you're honoring them. You've got to think about that. That takes time and focus. Another aspect of family life is keeping your house. I mean, you can certainly do this to a fault. A house is a tool. A house is a tool. It is not the idol. It's not the thing you're creating for your glory. It's not. It's a tool. It's to be used for the glory of God and the good of others. It needs repair and maintenance and cleaning and all that stuff. But it's not. It's not the thing. The, the family's the thing, right? Those who you invite in your house, that's the thing. It's the house is just a tool. To be used, just like a car. But it needs maintenance and all those kind of things. So you have to plan for that kind of stuff. Financial stuff. You kind of think about it. You, you, you may be the one that wears the hat financially. You certainly should work together. But you may wear that hat financially in, in, in a marriage or whatever. And, and we have to think about that. We have to think about how we do that. How we steward our money. How we work hard. How we provide for our families. But more than that, how we benefit others with the money that we've been given. We shouldn't be just gobbling up all our money for ourselves. It requires a lot of discipline. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So I'm going to stop just for a minute. you got to think, your mission in life is to glorify God and serve other people. You may have a unique vision, something that you give your life to, like Ecuadorian pastors, that you're going to put some time there. But you also have all these other roles in life. You have a personal things where you've got to personally manage yourself. You've got a family life where you have to manage that. And then we kind of move forward and we say we have church life and you have to manage that. You need time in your schedule for church. 
It's not just that you're saying the event. I mean, certainly you have to set aside time and say Sundays are sacred for the gathering of the people of God. You have to set that aside. You have to give something to that. You also may be saying, like, I, I am gifted within the body. We would all say believers have gifts. And so they should employ those gifts within a body. Sometimes you have a specific thing that you do in the church. Sometimes it's not as specific, but you're just serving in the church. But if you're a teacher in the church or a discussion group leader or a participant or a greeter or a nursery worker or a community group leader or a participant in that, or going on a mission trip, all that stuff requires you to schedule your life and focus it. If you're going to lead music well, they have to work on that. If, they're going to, if you're going to lead out in, in um, d- discussion group, you have to work on that. All those things require time in your schedule to do them well, both formal and informal. If you've partnered with this church... Meaning like you're a part of the church that I'm going to choose to be a part. You are you are a it's not just membership, it's partnership. You're not just paying your dues. You're a partner. And when you're a partner in a business, you give something to it. You sacrifice for it. You serve it. We are partnering together as a church. And we're saying as a church, we are learners, worshipers, family, servants, missionaries. And we're saying we're bringing all of that together and saying we want to do that well. I want to be a positive influence on this church. I don't want to be that negative influence. I want to build this church up, not tear it down. Now, I don't want to tear it down with my tongue. I don't want to tear it down with my laziness. I don't want to tear it down with any of those things. I want to build it up. I want to see it move forward as one man making a difference in this world to the glory of God and the good of others. And we're going to do that together. And we're saying we're partnering together to do that. So you want to do that with your all you want to say, hey, I need to invest time in that. I need to invest time in my spiritual life and into my physical life. Some of those things I need to invest time in my family. I need to invest time in my church. Everybody's busy. Everybody is busy with something. But you're making choices about what you do with your time and you choose what you do with your time. You choose by what you love, what you think is important, what you deem eternally valuable, you choose. So it's very important as a church even that we say that. Scripture says... Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each one's received a special gift, use it in serving one another as good stewards of the varied grace. And he talks about how different gifts exist within the body. Next set of time things. like just Because I want to move quickly, but I want you to think about The things that you have to manage and I want you to think about managing them well. Another aspect of life is work. You could be an employee, could be an employer, could be some kind of team leader at work. You may be in all aspects. You may be in education, law, service, manufacturing, legal, uh, uh, sorry, legal and law go together, restaurant, health, all those things. There's all these industries that God has given people abilities to do and passions and callings for, and they do that in life. And when you do those kinds of things, you have to balance those out. Work is important to God. Some people don't believe that. Your work 
What you are to do is important to God. It is not just going to work to get a paycheck to buy you stuff. Work is more than that. It's more than that. When somebody says to their kids, listen, here, I'm going to tell you about work. Get you a degree, get you a job so you can buy this kind of stuff. And that's their only training about work. Then all you're saying is, listen, work is for your selfish ambition. That's work. That's not a biblical framework for work. A large percent of our our waking hours are spent in some kind of employment. You might say, well, I'm staying at home with my children. Well, you can just take that and put that in staying home with your kids, taking care of them, managing your house, whatever. But we you just got to put that in your mind, I think, to see that. But I just think it's important that you see that work is to be done to the glory of God and the good of others. If you're working for your own glory and your own good, you don't understand work. God created our work for his glory and the good of others. We are building a world together. We're seeking to do that in a way that would honor him. We need to work hard at what we do, even if we don't have a great boss. There's a there's a calling in Scripture upon us to fulfill this 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 cultural mandate of building a world to the glory of God. And we are to do that with all of our might. The Scripture speaks of this in Titus two, nine and ten. Now, I'm just when it says bond servants, you have to understand 90 percent of the workforce were servants. So when Paul speaks of that, he's speaking, I think generally you would say he is speaking about your work life. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything that would be well pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. How do you adorn something? What does it mean to adorn it? He's saying like when you are doing the work that God has for you to do, whether you love it or you hate it. You are adorning the doctrine of God when you do those things well. You're saying God is great. God is good. God has rescued me. You are speaking out with your actions the goodness of God. And it allows you to speak into people's lives. It will open the doors for you to share the gospel. Promise. If you live to the glory of God and the good of others in your work. If you're arrogant. If you hate every boss you've ever had. If you're talking behind the leadership's back. You do all those things, I promise you, you may speak the gospel, but it will never be heard. It will never be heard. And honestly, you wouldn't get my, my ears either. Because people know who you are. You can talk a big game about Christianity. You don't believe it. Every aspect of life is to be lived to the glory of God. Social things. This has, has ideas like being... Friends, neighbors, and citizens. We should desire Christians to be involved in every sphere of society for the glory of God. We need people in the arts, politics, teaching, all of those things. God is honored with that. So I think we have to say we may be a musician working to the glory of God to to make music that would glorify Him. We could be doing some type of mercy ministry. We could coach a baseball team. There's a long list of things that you could do to glorify God and serve other people. Titus 3, 1 and 2. 
remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be every to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. I think this is in the world. He's talking about living in the world. If you talk trash about people constantly as you walk through life in this world, it is a sin against God. That shock you? It's a sin against God. We're saying our roles as a citizen and as a neighbor and as a worker are to be a blessing to other people. People not to tear down. So I just think it's important that you sit down and spend some time doing this right here. What things do I have? What roles do I have personally? What roles do I have as in a family, in this family unit? What roles do I have at work? What roles do I have in the church? What roles do I have in society? And look at those five areas and stop and say, am I, am I, am I doing those well? Am I doing those well? Now, one more thing. Um, how do I say this? Some people would say they should be perfectly balanced, and I don't agree with that. And what I mean by that is there might be seasons where work has to take more of you, seasons where it might take less. There have to be maybe seasons where you would say, um, I, I'm going to be able to have a lot of family time and a little bit less time here. And I'm having to kind of balance that out. It's just it's a seasonal thing. There are other aspects of this that I think we're, can always be balanced in this way. God has called some people that just kind of to build like a company, let's say. And I'll give let's play like we're in a little kind of like a little neighborhood. And you've got this guy building a company and 10 families get to live in that neighborhood and provide for their families because this guy's building a company and he's imbalanced. Then you may have somebody who you might say at work, they give you their 40 and they're gone because they're going home and they're going to coach a baseball team. And guess what? That guy that owns that company, guess who's coaching his baseball team? This guy that puts maybe his those things more. And then you got this other person over there who's not coaching baseball and he's not building a business. He's doing his work, but then he's maybe running for city council. All those things needed, you know. So I just think you in your life, you though have to say there needs to be some balance. So I don't want to say, oh, this was really high. It's so important on the scale and I've abandoned my family. That's foolishness. And we're not saying that, but I'm saying it's not always going to be balanced because it's not supposed to be. God has gifted people with different things for different purposes to accomplish his plan. And all of it is to glorify God and serve other people. And to give you the opportunity in doing those things well, to share with people the gospel. So, look at my time. Got a couple more minutes. It would not be unwise for you, in my opinion, you say, hey, Jerry, this is just my... I, all these other things I could structure out for you, lay out for you, say, God has told you to be a good husband. God has told you to be a good worker. God has told you to be a good parent. God, I could lay those things. God tells you to be good in society. I've laid out some of that verse by verse. But here, it's just me saying, if you're going to do that well, it would not be unwise, in my opinion, to set up a calendar and every week review your roles and review your calendar and say, what am I doing? How, how am I doing as a family man this week? 
How am I doing at work this week? What do I need to get done in both of those areas to the glory of God and the service of the people involved in that? Would not be unwise. Actually, I think it would be very wise to do it. Look at your primary roles and say, is there anything in this role that I've neglected or need to give attention to? And some of you may have to go dig around in your closet and find the hat. Because you've somewhere along the way forgotten something vital importance. I'm going to give you one more example about that. With Anna and I, um, it had been a while. Like we went last Saturday out and we were gone for the day. It had been a while since we'd done that. It's good for her soul. I mean, it's good for her whole person. It's good for her, physically, it's good for her to be away from two little boys all the time, all, you know, 100% of the time. Carved out some time, we went away. She needed that. I, as a husband, I needed to initiate that. I need to be thinking that way. So, I mean, you could make a list of all kinds of things. That would just be an example. Um, one other thing for me. If I look at my mission to glorify God and serve other people, Kind of look at maybe one of the things that I focus in on, and that's good. Then I look at my roles, and then I put it on my calendar. And then I may have some things that I want to get done in the future, so I'll make a list. So if you want to do that, that's cool. It might be helpful for you. So I would just say for you, I mean, if you're here today and you say, man, this is just like, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this. And, and you might just take one thing. Maybe there'll be one thing that comes to your mind from kind of thinking through this. But I would just say for you, I mean, really, we are trying to do this Glorify God, serve other people well by living an individual life that's healthy and to the glory of God. I live in a family that lives with that in mind, with work, with church, with social, all of those things to the glory of God. And I would just, if, you, if you're struggling with that, I, I say like, who's not? Who is not struggling with balancing those priorities? Everybody does. The cool thing is, is... Uh, you have people at all stages of life in this church that could sit down and talk to you about that. I would encourage you to do so. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to know that we have been created and saved to do good works for your glory and the good of others. We want to do that well. We want to be wise about it. We don't want to look up one day and say, I left out some of the most important things. We want to do do those things well. Father, I just pray that you'd give us wisdom as a church to get our personal lives in order so that we can bless more and more people. We want to be a church known as people who live in a way that make people love you, want to know you, want to see you, and that live in a way where others are helped and not hurt. And they're encouraged and not beat down. And they're blessed, not cursed. We don't want to be known as a people who cause trouble, but to people who bring joy to lives. So we just pray you'd use us wisely. In Christ's name, amen. If you would stand with me at this time.